0: blog talk radio. Hi everyone and welcome to the Real Estate Investor Goddess Podcast. I'm your host, Monique Hom, and I am here with another great interview of a real estate investor goddess. As you know on this show, we interview women that are crushing it in different areas of real estate, and our guest today is certainly no exception. Um, Today, I've invited Aaliyah Ott-Carter to talk to us about her her fascinating experiences with real estate, especially with self-storage. Self-storage is a super unique asset class. It's a reputation for for providing relatively high yields and being quite recession-resistant. And I've personally been really fascinated to learn more about it, and so I'm super excited to have Aaliyah here who is a self-storage investor and expert. She's the co-founder of Investors in Action and manager of the Capital Storage Fund. Over the past 15 years, Aliyah has acquired 13 self-storage properties, a 125-lot mobile home park, self-family rental units, and managed over $30 million in lending transactions. Wow, so prior to investing, she served as director for philanthropy programs that raised over $1 billion online. She's passionate about financial literacy programs and helping educate other investors. She's a sister of my heart because I'm passionate about that too. She holds a degree in communications from Chapman and project management certification from Stanford. She's the co author of the books Initiative and Self Storage Success Kit, and I'm thrilled to have her here. Welcome, Aliyah. Thank you so much, Monique. It's great to be on your show today. Uh, it's, it's all our pleasure. So let's, let's get into it because you have, um, you, you know, just, just talking right now about all of the asset classes that you, you've invested in. I'm, I'm curious, how did you get started in real estate investing? I believe my beginning started
1: at least really young with the mindset around becoming an investor. So I had the mindset of becoming an investor, probably when I was a teen or even before that, uh, my parents had a rental property and we would go back and forth to Hawaii to um, go on vacation. Sometimes the vacation included <laughs> lots of painting and rehabbing <laughs> and turning over the, um, the unit to a new tenant. However, it did it, I saw how that was able to afford my family, a different type of lifestyle, and so I knew that was in my future. I just had absolutely no idea to what extent I would be involved. I certainly didn't think I would be involved someday in commercial assets, but along the journey, uh, here is where I ended up was in the self-storage investing arena. So I've done, as you mentioned, rental properties, private lending. I've owned a mobile home park and uh, a lot of non-performing note assets, but my favorite. Mm-hmm thus far has been self-storage.
0: Oh, okay. So I can't wait to get into that. But I, I'm curious, what was your first investment property? What, what was the first thing you, you got?
1: The first investment property I purchased was a single-family home, and my intention was to make some minor improvements to it. Um, it ended up that it needed to be half-torn down, And so (laughs) overnight, I became a general contractor for my own property, which was really interesting. I had the good fortune of some really, really close friends of mine being involved in the construction industry. And so one person was the electrician, another person was the framer, another person (laughs) did all of the, um, the roofing and the windows and doors and everything. And then my boyfriend and I at the time... Um, Date night became a trip to the landfill to take whatever miscellaneous items we had destroyed the previous week, and then we would go right from the landfill to Home Depot, fill it up with all kinds of merchandise for the following week and weekends uh, and And that was my life for several months. So we basically rebuilt um, the half back of this house, adding. About 800 square foot additional in in addition to what was uh, currently there, and then remodeled wow. the rest of the house. So it was a it was a pretty big undertaking. Unlike some people that might just you know paint and carpet and get some contractors in there. No, I had half the house torn down, and that was a pretty big deal. <laughs> wow. Um, did you did you hold it buy and hold or did you flip it?
0: What did you do with that house?
1: Oh uh, yeah, it was a long term buy and hold. Um, it it was the intention was to live in it for two years, and when you okay. live in a house for two years, then you could avoid paying the capital gains tax up to two fifty per single person or five hundred thousand for a married couple. And so I had that idea of just kind of slowly building my portfolio that way. It ended up being about 14 years before I sold that first home. Now, of course, I sold it for quite a big profit, but part of that was just going through this whole cycle of, you know, the the up and the down and then the up again in the real estate market. So I did pretty well on that property. But, uh, yeah, in in the meantime, I also chose to invest in some other rental properties, some in-state, some out-of-state. And um, and then, like I said, it evolved. It evolved
0: into where I'm at today. Okay, so let's talk about where you're at today. So your current focus is self-storage. So how did you get into self-storage?
1: Self-storage came by it really it was the confluence of timing and having capital available. So, Terry, my business partner, and I, we had been doing a number of lending transactions on fix and flip properties in Southern California, and at that moment in time, we weren't sure if the market was going to turn. We took back two properties, and we had to complete the rehabs ourselves on those two properties, and at that point, we Mm -hmm. realized how transactional our business was and what the risks were associated with. We weren't just doing lending in first position we were also lending in second position which we were basically the gap funder so there might be one hard money lender that would lend 70 percent but if the borrower needed more money for the rehab then they could come to us and we would um you know put in some additional capital for these uh, rehab costs and yeah. so we did take two properties back because of that um after hitting, like, one home run after another. It was a very profitable business up until that point. But we don't like making mistakes. So we, <laughs> we got a little hard on ourselves <laughs> and said, how do we never do that again? You know, we came out of pocket to pay our investors back and make sure everybody was whole. But that came with our own cost of time and money. So we wanted to make sure that we had – we are investing in assets that are cash flowing, even if they're in a turnaround process. And right about that time, uh, my business partner, Al, who I had already purchased the mobile home park with, uh, he came to us and he's been an expert in self-storage for a number of years. He came to us asking for a loan. Similar, it was a a gap funding loan to help purchase a self-storage facility. And we looked at the deal, and the deal was essentially the same price as a single-family home, except for this was almost 300 units, apartment complex, a dance studio, a parking lot. I mean, it had so many units already cash flowing. We knew from day one there was a tremendous upside, and the cash flow would pay for the loan, no problem. So when we did the financials on it and the numbers, it just made absolute sense for us to get involved. and the three of us now as a team have together purchased 13 properties in that same manner. Um, wow. As, as we grew, uh, we ourselves had a limited amount of capital. So then we got other investors involved and we started the fund, which is called the capital storage fund to allow other investors to participate in our success. So that's worked out really well, but you know, it's a journey for sure, and it it comes along with confidence in being able to prove out a business model that works over and over and over again, and having a really good, solid team of people that don't necessarily have the same skill sets. All three of us have different skill sets that complement each other really well, and so when you have that sort of um, circumstance where you have two or three people, maybe more, that are working really well together, it's just magic. And we're yeah. just really
0: pleased with how things have gone so far. That's amazing. So um, I have well, there's there's so much that you just said that I want, <laughs> I want to follow up on. But let's let's start with the the self storage. So um, you know, tell me more about why you like it as as an asset class. Absolutely. Well, first of all, you kind of mentioned that in your
1: intro, self storage is one of the best recession-resistant assets you could be in in real estate. And the reason why I have, when I do my presentations, I have a chart from public storage that shows how they did um, price per square foot over time Mm -hmm. during the recession. And there was just a tiny little dip in 2009, 2010 in how they were affected by the recession. If you put that chart over top of a chart with the single-family housing chart, it would be drastically different, you know, when we had this big yeah. downturn between 2008 and onward. Um, the reason why is because people, when they're in a situation where there's, like, an upheaval, they're, they're having to move, there's divorce. There's always a need for storage, and it's relatively affordable to somebody who may have to go from a house down to an apartment or move in with family members. They always think that there's a better day coming, and they're very attached to their stuff, whether it be a beat-up couch or a dining room table – there's often some memories or some emotional attachment to those items that they don't want to get rid of. And so they just put it in storage with the assumption that someday they're going to have more space and have a place for all those items again. So that's typically what happens in the recessionary times. You have different types of tenants um, at different points in the market cycle. I would assume there's a lot of that right now. However, you also have people who are just buying toys and, you know, bikes and vehicles and things that they might recreate with during better times. Yeah. So, so that that's, that's me, one reason. <laughs> There's a but <bunch>. okay. <laughs> or what what else? All right, well, let me just elaborate on that further. If you think about the construction process of a storage facility, it's very, very simple construction. So whether you're building or whether you're just owning an existing property, you have typically um, concrete, you know, walls or flooring, you have uh, maybe siding of cinder blocks or you would have steel construction, but it's just very sturdy and efficient built construction building. And so when you have a tenant move out, and literally if they trash it, it just means they left their stuff behind. You put it in the dumpster, you broom sweep it, and you're on to the next tenant. You literally could have that turned around in minutes or hours. When you have an apartment complex, let's just say, you could have all kinds of damage to appliances. You could have, you know, destroyed carpet from pets. You just don't have those issues. You also don't physically have your tenants on site most of the time you might have like a handful of people come in throughout the day Uh, but in general most people they put their stuff in storage and then they come back to to take it out you know six months a year later and so you don't have that same level of liability and tenant issues Um, certainly people aren't staying the night there's no plumbing there's no pets so those are the reasons. And the other reason that we really like it is because you can handle the delinquency process so much faster than if somebody was living in the unit, meaning you yeah. could go onto the, onto the unit and add a manager's lock to lock out a delinquent tenant. And they have, they're forced to go into the office and pay their late fees and whatever they need to catch up on. In order to get access to their unit again, you can't throw a padlock on somebody's dwelling. No, so there's not. <laughs> as much as you might want. There's to, a different uh, level of motivation for people. If they want their items, then they just have to pay. And if they don't, then it goes to auction, and it can go to auction relatively quickly. You have to follow the state laws that govern lien laws. Uh, but you can go to auction fairly quickly. And when you're when these items go to auction, they're purchased by just you know an everyday person. It might be somebody who owns like a thrift store, but they purchase the the everything that's in that unit, and they are responsible for broom sweeping it and getting it ready for the next tenant. So mm-hmm. somebody pays someone. Whether it's the person who's delinquent or the person who buys the delinquent person's unit, somebody is going to go in and, and make sure that that uh, unit is, is cleaned out. So it's pretty great.
0: That's pretty awesome. So um, what are the challenges of having self-storage, of investing in self-storage?
1: I think your greatest challenge with self-storage is just making sure you have a great manager. That manager is responsible for pretty much everything from collections to, uh, you know, making sure that your customers are happy. And so you just need to make sure that you have the right person in charge. We, we had one property. When we acquired the property the managers, you could just tell that they didn't care, and they were probably one of the main reasons that the property had a high delinquency rate and low occupancy rate. They weren't hardly ever physically there on property. It was mm-hmm. before we added an office to the property. So they were brokers. They, they lived down the street. People would call to make a rental reservation. Sometimes they would show up. Sometimes they wouldn't. Um, oh we God. had cameras. <laughs> And we would ask them about the condition of the property. so oh, yeah, it's being taken care of, and we could see weeds that are three feet tall. So we knew that those managers had to go. Now we have a manager in there. Uh, We just recently got her in there, and she is making huge strides on that property. And it just goes to show that that person in your property management seat can make all the difference. And I think that's true for really any asset class. When you have – um, delegated the responsibility of the property management to somebody, um, it's it's a big responsibility and you just need to make sure you have the right person. And you, you need to train
0: them well, too, and treat them well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, ultimately, it, you're, you're buying real estate, but you're also buying a business, right, a self-storage business. Correct. So you need to make sure that you have the proper people running the business. Absolutely, yeah, so. yep. Um, cool. So, um, I love that. It's fascinating. Um, let me let me ask you a question. Uh, not it could be about self storage or or otherwise, but you know, I I always ask this question of my guests because I think that we learn so much more by things that don't work out, uh, by our mistakes, than we do when things are smooth sailing and easy. So, what would you say your biggest mistake has been in your real estate investing career and what did you learn from it?
1: Great question. I believe the first property that I got myself into, I've learned so much from mistakes, just like you said. Um, The first property, I didn't do enough due diligence. There was a lot of pressure to purchase quickly on that property, even though I, I bought it with a bank loan. The pressure to buy Superseded my due diligence in understanding <laughs> exactly the condition of the existing addition that I eventually had to tear down. Um, had I known more of what I know now, I I would have maybe not purchased that property. But I'm glad I did because I learned so much from the construction process. Yeah, that would have been one mistake. The other thing was again. It, it has to come down to the nitty gritty details of, of making sure when you're underwriting a borrower that they're the right person that's trustworthy of your funds. And I, as I explained in that transition between lending and getting into self-storage investing, there um, there was a borrower who. We've, we had done so many transactions with this one particular broker that we implicitly trusted who they were putting in front of us. And that was a mistake mm-hmm. because even though they did their homework and, and level due diligence and they checked a lot of boxes, there were still some boxes that weren't checked. And so, you know, we, we look at ourselves and take responsibility for that um, because we could have done just as much homework as the first broker did who brought us the deal uh, and really done more homework on what was being done on the property, and and ultimately, um, as Reagan would say, trust but verify. We trusted mm-hmm. and we didn't verify enough, and so we definitely learned from that mistake um, to to just you know verify critical details. So when whenever you see an issue arise or you know that voice inside your is it your head, your gut? Whatever mm-hmm. that feeling is that something isn't quite right, I now go deeper into investigating why I'm feeling that way to make sure that something funny isn't going on. So that's that's probably, you know, my biggest Achilles heels is I do trust, um, but now
0: I have a team that I work with to verify. Mm-hmm so good so it sounds like both on both sides of that those mistakes right it was about due diligence due diligence on the properties due diligence on the people um yeah. on the, the people that you're working with which is so important and also listening to that intuitive voice inside you know that's mm-hmm. telling you mm, maybe you need to follow up on this um, I, w- I would yeah. add
1: one more to that and and mm-hmm. that is really making sure on the people side of things, when you're partnering up with people, partner up with the right people. I've had a lot of partnerships go really well. And I've had a handful get a little crazy. Um, I've, fortunately, I've never had a, a really bad partner in the sense of somebody cheating me. But I've yeah. had challenging partnerships nonetheless. Um, I, I think – A lot of times when people get started in real estate, they look around to their best friends and their family members to get started with, and everything is rosy in the beginning. Um, But you need to know how people are going to play when things get challenging, and that's why I'm so grateful. Uh, I
0: have a great, solid team of people surrounding me now. Mm. The team is so important. And I think you said it before that it's really about getting people with complementary skill sets. So sometimes you yeah. can have somebody you love, but they're so similar to you that, you know, if both of you guys are thinking of doing the same thing, then one of you is redundant. Right. Um, right. But also, yeah. So that, that's really great advice. Um, you know, that you're, you're making, that you're partnering with the right people. And I, and I often tell my, my mentoring My mentoring students and clients that if you're, you know, whenever you're getting into a new relationship with somebody, you want to get, (laughs) talk and actually put on paper and have a contract with what will happen when things don't go well. Um, because they, you know, at the beginning, we always think things are going to go perfect and it's always going to be smooth sailing and, um, but the more you can talk about those things at the front end, uh, about what happens when things don't go right or what happens, uh, and who's responsible for, for X or, or Y, the more clarity you get at the beginning, the more likely you are to save that friendship. Um, and that really, yes. uh, you know, later.
1: Absolutely. So. Um, yes. Yeah. you you said it very well, is to document that relationship. And as much as you can conceive of all the possible things that could go wrong or ways that that business could go, uh, to document and think through those things up front, because believe me, I have had to refer many times in this one particular partnership um, back to our operating agreement over and over and over again. And then I would also, we would take very good minutes of our meetings. I would have to go back to the minutes of meetings um, because sometimes, you know, after a year two, three go by, sometimes you forget how things are to be when a certain thing arises. And if you've had that documented, then you just go back to the, you know, operating agreement or, or, um, notes along the way and say oh no see this is what we agreed to and then it becomes a null conversation
0: yeah that's that's so good um all right so the the, the flip side to the your biggest mistake question is what are you most proud of what are you most proud of from your real estate investing career
1: Oh, I, I believe it's just honestly the lifestyle that it can create for you because there's so much more meaningful things in my life than just real estate, but real estate gives me the ability to have time freedom. And yeah, in my opinion, that's irreplaceable. I I recently got approached for a job offer and it wasn't, you know, like a nine to five office sort of gig. And I thought about it for two seconds
0: and I just realized (laughs)
1: I'm not, I'm not cut out for that anymore. I I can't imagine. I mean, even when I had a full time job, I was working from home. I would sometimes start at 5am in the morning if I chose to, or 9am if I chose to, I had flexibility in that. So um, I, I believe the thing that I'm most proud of is just having the intention of creating a certain lifestyle and working determinedly to get that lifestyle Um, and having gone through the journey of of different real estate asset classes and techniques I just continue to refine and improve upon how do I make this better Uh, this is going really well how do I make this better oh this isn't working anymore how do I shift into something that's working so my ability to be flexible and just create that lifestyle and that has it's really the whole scope of real estate overall. It's not just one thing in real estate. And, of course, I'm proud of our team and um, Terry and I and the partnerships and the relationships that we've developed over the years and just our partnership in general. And our ability to work with Al on these storage properties has been great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just appreciate having found the right
0: people to be in, in this industry with. Hmm. So good. So, um, and to what do you attribute your success?
1: A lot of determination and focus. Um, I I just know in my gut that I love real estate as a, a vehicle to get me to where I want to be. I attribute success also to thinking outside the box and having lots of great mentors who have been part of this journey with me some of them aren't even involved in any type of real estate transaction that I've ever done but you extract one or two nuggets or you spend time with them and just the people that they are uplift you and mm. I intentionally surround myself with quality people I I tend to shy away from if I get a sniff of In authenticity, or somebody who I think is going to cheat me, I might learn from them. I might quietly sit in the back of the room and and take learning lessons from them, but I won't engage with them. Um, So that's a big, big part of my success is just making sure I'm surrounded by the right people. I think you see a theme here.
0: (laughs) Well, it's about the
1: people. Makes
0: sense. Yeah, real estate is a relationship game. It's a team sport, and it's, it's everything, it, I, I think, in my opinion. It has everything to do with who you're working with. You know, you can get the best property, um, and if you're with the wrong team, it's going to do terrible, and you can get a pretty mediocre property. But with a great team, you can do great. Um, and not just the team, but you're right. Your, your mentors, your, um, your peer group, every, everything, it, 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 it has so much to do with your success. I totally agree. So Malia? Yes, I'm still here. <laughs> okay, good. I was like, Oh, I hope I didn't lose you. All right, so um what advice do you have would you have for a woman just starting out in this deal? I would
1: definitely tell her she can do this. There is a growing number of women who are getting involved in self-storage and real estate in general. I would, again, surround myself with the right people. doesn't matter if you're surrounding yourself with smart women or smart men. Um, there's a lot of quality people out there in any niche of the real estate industry who are waiting to share their knowledge and expertise with you. Um, it's, you are looking to start in self storage in particular. Of course, you can go online. We have lots of videos on YouTube and we have some training materials on our website, investorsinaction.com. I would also look at ISS and the Self Storage Association. Um, ISS stands for Inside Self Storage. Both ISS and uh, the Self Storage Association provide several large conferences throughout the year in different locations, and they're very good about providing you with thorough access to vendors, brokers, lenders, anybody who has a major stake in the self-storage industry. You can go to these conferences and just learn a ton, and you could go to the right courses. You know, you might have five classes going on simultaneously. You pick the one that fits you best for where you are at, in your journey, and just go learn um, and start connecting with
0: people. That's what I would recommend. That's awesome. And um, for for folks to to find out more about you and and to to reach you, you said you're at investorsinaction.com. Is there? A different- yes,
1: investorsinaction.com, and then our our fund website, which you can learn more about. Specifically, what we're doing in
0: self-storage is CapitalStorageFund.com. Okay. Capital Storage Fund. Fund singular or plural? Fund.
1: Fund singular. singular. I think we have both URLs, but fund is the main one that we use. And, of course, I'm on pretty much all the social media and, uh, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I'm out there. (laughs)
0: All right <laughs> i'm connectable
1: <laughs> you
0: you you have to be able to find her if you even try a little bit okay so great um so we're going to conclude with a trinity which is how we conclude every show a trinity is a brag it's gratitude and a desire and so we'd love a brag what's one thing you're celebrating right now one thing I'm still celebrating
1: from back in the fall, December time frame is selling my mobile home park. That was an mm. asset that I held on to for five and a half years. It was um full of interesting challenges and relationships, and I learned so much from that, and I'm so grateful that it's over. good <laughs> time yeah. It really it's nice because when you're really wanting to focus on one thing and you have almost this chatter going on, on the side, being able to release yourself from something that's slightly holding you back is so freeing. And I felt yeah. like the day that property sold
0: was the day I got my wings. Hmm. Well, well bragged. <laughs> uh, okay. So what are you grateful for? What's one thing you're grateful for? Well,
1: I did mention this a few times, but I am so grateful for my team. I am grateful for my partnership with Terry. Uh, she has been a huge asset to me in complementing who I am as an investor and as just a person in life um, and really the relationships I have that surround me, whether it's my husband, his kids. Um, my friendships. I'm just, I'm grateful for the people in my life.
0: Mm. Beautiful. And lastly, what's one thing you desire?
1: Well, not so secretly, because I'm putting this out there on the blog is my husband and I have been um, working towards adding an addition to our family. So We added a dog to the family, but now we're looking to add another human to the family. So uh, just like anything, there's different ways of accomplishing that journey, and we're exploring several of them. Um, But that is my next desire is to um, officially become a mom with either my own Uh biological children
0: or adopting. Okay. So shall it be or so much better than you can ever imagine. Yay. All right. Well, thank you so much. What a great interview. I loved uh, hearing your story and um, and finding out about self-storage and can't wait to find out more. So if you listeners out there, again, you want to connect with Leah, you can find her at InvestorsInAction.com or CapitalStorageFund.com or all over social media, Leah Carter. And to connect with me, go to... RealEstateInvestorGoddesses.com. You can get a copy of the free ebook, the Real Estate Success Blueprints: The Crucial Steps Every Woman Must Take to Be a Successful Real Estate Investor, and you can join our Real Estate Investor Goddesses Investor Club. So you can have access to all sorts of different um, investments that we have vetted and have available for you. So there are all and join our community of sister goddesses uh, in real estate. We have tons of uh, info and content for you. You can find it at realestateinvestorgoddesses.com. Aliyah, thank you so much. This was great. And thanks to all of you for being here. We'll catch you next time with another Real Estate Investor Goddess superstar interview. Bye-bye. Thank you, Monique. Bye-bye.